When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast. A very diverse cast of automobile racing characters. With your host, NBC Sports television analyst and part-time midget racer, it's D. Welch and Mr. Dylan Welch. Yeah, you damn right I got that out there. Oh, that stupid-ass flagman. They got a dumb-ass flagman they can't see. And an expert in only one category, food. Now, look how big those things are. Little meat on the bone there. And cook perfectly. Well, sometimes racing, but mostly food. When you're talking a, a meal, like people I'm about to die, I will ask for 15 to 20 chicken wings. It's heavy lunch, Tyler Burnett. It's episode 105 of the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing, Heavy Lunch, D-Welts with you on February 27th. It is a Monday. We were recording earlier and we have a reason why. Today we are breaking some news. D-Welch never lets me break any of his news. Every time he joins a race team, whether it be with Chad Boat, actually he did let us break the Abacus news, right? Well, that's because Brett Cox... Uh, is a friend of the podcast and is a big fan of the podcast and we love Brian Cox and can't say that enough but he let us break the news in this podcast but yes today we have some breaking news and our guest today involves that uh D Welch what is our breaking news today well before I get to that I want to make one note that I just just thought about uh this is episode 105 we had 106 episodes of Rip Defense so oh, we yeah. are Next uh, next week will be the uh, RIP. We'll have hit the total. Uh, regardless, start. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the the breaking news get the breaking news better ready is uh, is that my dad and I are going to be the booth announcers for the High Limit Series for the full series. Um, so um, we've got Dad on the show today to to talk about that and and. Um, and, you know, kind of get a little bit of his, his story, you know, Tyler did a good job asking some questions, kind of getting some backstory on, on my dad's broadcasting career, but, um, super excited about that. Obviously it's, it's, um, you know, as he's, he'll say, you know, I, I don't know how many times in the history of, of broadcasting that this kind of situation has happened. Um, but it's, it's not very often. Um, and we, we've had, we had the opportunity a few years ago to work a broadcast together as an ARCA race at gateway. He was in the booth and I was in the pits, but it was very young. It was very early in my broadcasting career on TV. So that's always one that like, I kind of wish that I could have back just to do it differently and do it better, you know, knowing now kind of what I didn't know then. Um, so to have this opportunity to do it, you know, at a national level um, in a sprint car series, 
that, you know, I think is going to have a lot of eyes on it anyways, is, is a dream come true, frankly. So, um, super cool. And, and then to have our buddy, Chris, you know, as the pit reporter who, uh, you know, I grew up with and, you know, spent hundreds of days at our house, uh, when we were both younger, you know, so he knows my dad really well too. So it's, it's going to be really fun. Excited to go up and down the road with, with, uh, both of them and, um, get to call some races and, and watch some good racing this summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. Your dad obviously has tremendous broadcasting accolades. In fact, um, honestly, like he should be, you know, on, you know, network broadcast still, like, let's be honest. Like he should, he should not be with you at the flow racing booth. Uh, cause he is a very, very, very good sports broadcaster. And, um, I feel like that this is a very, good thing for the audience of flow racing uh, of flow sports to have a professional 20, you know, over 20 years and network broadcasting um, do this broadcast with you is, is tremendous. And obviously you have, you have the chops too and, and network broadcasting and, and Wilner does too, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, he's, he broadcasts the chili bowl on flow. He's one of the voices of the chili bowl. He's very good. He's going to be doing it for a long time. I imagine just because he's so young and he's just been so good. Um, but you know, he's been on NBC for, you know, and, and stuff like that at Fox sports one, uh, helps out with them. So a lot of broadcasting chops on these broadcasts for, for Larson. I'm sure though, that you, you have to feel some sense of, of pride knowing that Larson feels this way about you and lets you, you know, is letting you do this with your dad and, and your best friend. No, I absolutely do. I mean, I think, you know, Kyle from the start, even, even at Putnamville, uh, last August, whenever that, whenever the race was last year, um, you know, he called me and, and, you know, one thing that I respected about him was just that he, he valued this part of the show, you know, and understood how the announcer team can make or break your show, both on the stream and at the racetrack. Um, and, and I'm a huge fan of Kyle's always will be, I think. And, and, uh, you know, to, so, so to have him call me and want me to be the one, you know, to kind of be the man in charge was, was certainly super flattering. Um, and, and I knew, I know we talked about Chris even back then, you know, last year about trying to get him on that show. Cause Kyle's a big fan of, of Chris from hearing him at Millbridge and at the chili bowl. And, um, and then obviously, you know, knows my dad through, um, through the NASCAR stuff and respects him too. So it, it's, uh, it's cool for us in this role, I think to have, have somebody with as strong of a voice as Kyle, um, you know, want us. And, uh, and to your point too, you know, that's, that's something that I, I have thought about too, that there's not going to be another dirt racing series that has, uh, the broadcasting credentials that I think the three of us have, and that's no slight on anybody else, you know, on Blake or Johnny or, or Chad or anybody, you know, they're all great at what they do. Um, but I think it'll be cool for us to be able to take some experience from the network level that we've all three been at um, and bring that to dirt racing and, and um, not change, you know, the face of, of dirt track racing broad, you know, broadcasting, but just, you know, bring it, bring a different look to it, I think. So, um, I'm super excited about that and just excited obviously to, um, to be able to get back to calling some dirt races. You know, we've talked about it for years on this show about how badly I miss that. And so to have an opportunity to do a full year of something is, is really cool to me. 
Yep. Vince will uh, talk more about it. Uh, he is on the show today and uh, we had a, a pretty good conversation just about his career and, um, you know, talking about the opportunity to work with the high limit series and Brad sweet and Kyle Larson this year for 12 races. They'll be the uh, begin at Tulare uh, with a non points race, but uh, still a lot of money on the line for a really cool hotbed of sprint car racing out there in California to begin the year. And then they go to Lakeside for a 50 grand to win, um shane stewart brett marks involved with that race at lakeside uh, at the high limit race at the end of april so uh it's coming like what we have march and then we're there so we um we have a lot of planning and stuff to do that you know on some side projects that we want to get done for the series and uh jp you know we can't thank him enough for uh you know letting us you know letting you guys be a part uh, part of the series but obviously letting us as in flow um, you know, make content and make cool stories around uh, this this series that uh, continues to skyrocket, and um, it's going to be fun. All right, let's get into our Sun Dollar Restoration Hat Shakes of the Week, brought to you by Sun Dollar Restoration. Um, you were just texting, Jason, weren't you? And uh, Kim, Kim was messaging uh, us this week. You know, good people. They're from Carmel, Indiana. Um, same place that D Welch and Vince and, and Chris Wilder even are all from yeah, Carmel, Car- Indiana. Carmel, Indiana <laughs> group. That's, I didn't even think about that. It's funny. Uh, you know, they live in Carmel, Indiana and they, uh, that's where they're, you know, uh, the Sun Dollar restoration is based sundollar.net. They'll put a roof on your house. Kim will, you know, Kim will, Kim will, uh, you know, do all the work basically, which is, um, order the roof for you. And then. You know, Jason will go out there and act like he's um, putting the roof on while all of his tremendously talented workers do it for him. Sundollar.net, uh, <laughs> yeah. they'll put a roof on your house, water, fire, mold, restoration. Basically, if you have a natural disaster that just wipes your house off the map you, or you have the smallest issue, whatever, uh, they'll help you out. They'll get with their insurance company um, and help you out. So sundollar.net. All right. What's your, what's your hat shake here? Did we have any races? Well, I I've been sitting here trying to think of some dirt races and I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I, I do have a hat shake for a, uh, part-time dirt racer, uh, Sheldon Creed last night. I don't know if you saw this in the Xfinity race made one of the most insane, like say, I guess it, I guess you can consider it a save, uh, I've ever seen from I a stock car um basically got hooked going down the back stretch it was pointed straight at the wall was gonna i mean was gonna hit it hard and got the thing spun back to the right basically pointed you know perpendicular if the inside wall is here his back bumper was perpendicular to the inside wall gassed it up and just basically dinged the back bumper cover up and kept going. I mean, it, it, you know, 180 miles an hour, however fast they're going on the back stretch at Fontana. Um, it was amazing. It was, it never seen anything like it. And the booth guys were going crazy for it too, which was awesome. But, uh, I'll give one to old, uh, old Sheldon there for not, uh, not wadding one up. I guess the NASCARs did race. I forgot about that. Uh, they did. They're out there in Fontana. It looked like a snow globe. Yeah, it snowed. Those were the fattest chunks of snow I've ever seen. I thought it was like a filter on some of the video. Yeah, it's crazy. The Rancho Cucamonga Peak, uh, you know, (laughs) in the distance. uh, I I don't know. Our buddy Rob Blount from Flow went out there, and I guess he's going like to Hawaii or something, stopped there and uh, went to the race, and he said it was like the most beautiful view he's ever seen because the the mountain had snow on it and 
Uh, the last race at Fontana, it's actually sad to me. That's one of my favorite racetracks, honestly. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why we're getting rid of the tracks that are actually good at racing and unique. Like when there's other mile and a half racetracks that are terrible that we could just get rid of that and put a, a short track on the, the, the only, the, the one thing that's a little difficult and we don't need to get in NASCAR heavy here. Like the, the new short track package is struggling compared to the mile and a half and, and intermediate tracks. Yeah. So you took away a track that your cars are good at and then you're going to put it on a track. They're not good at right now. Um, but obviously it was five years ago. D Welch where we were like, we want more short tracks. We want more short tracks. So it's like, it's a, it's a balance. But anyways, my handshake is also going to stay in, uh, the NASCAR ranks dirt racer, Kyle Busch wins with the cup series. And, and, and this is really astonishing to see happen, right? D Welch Kyle Busch has gotten more fans from leaving Gibbs. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's because like, well, first off there are more Americans that like Chevy. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, let's be honest, right? Like, more than NASCAR fans, like they love Chevy, um, just because it's you know, it's American. But anyways, Toyota, we love you. We obviously we love Toyota because they've done a lot for short track racing that Chevy has not done. So uh, I will clarify that Toyota Racing has done a ton for short track racing. So we like Toyota more. But um, there are just a, a large majority of the fan base that still think that RCR, um. It's an Earnhardt. It's an Earnhardt thing. I'm telling you, it's the combination of Kyle Busch being extremely popular and RCR being extremely popular, adding them both together. Like, let's say 50%. Let's say RCR has 50% of Dale Earnhardt fans. All of Kyle Busch's fans add them together. I mean, people think that he was wrong. Like, he should have, re- was, should have gotten the opportunity to re-sign at a team that he won so many races for. Um, and I think people are thinking Kyle is a good guy now. Like, did you ever think this was going to happen? Well, it, it, it was interesting. You know, I, I didn't really hear very many boos when he got out of the car and won. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's it's partly because he, I don't know if he is anymore, but I think he was kind of viewed as an underdog, right? I mean, I think, I mean, even even myself, I'd never viewed him as an underdog, but I thought I was, you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, like, you know, he's he maybe is going to go over here and it's going to take a little bit just to get integrated how he wants it to be competitive. I think we knew they were good. I mean, Tyler Reddick won three races in that car last year um, and Austin Dillon won a race. So, I mean, I, I don't think that um, people doubted that RCR has competitive equipment, but uh, I don't think it was necessarily a lateral move going from Gibbs, at least on paper, going from Gibbs to RCR. Um, so I think there's probably people that were like, well, he maybe did get wronged and, and now he's going to have to try to, you know, you know, make something out of nothing potentially here. Um but all three races, I mean, he was good at the clash, probably should have won the Daytona 500 and then, you know, was really good at Fontana all day. Um, so I think that he's dangerous and I mean, is a threat for the championship realistically. I mean, if they're, if they're this good already out of the gate, you know, I think there's a legitimate shot that he's, you know, he's there all year. So, uh, it'll be, be interesting to watch, but yeah, it's, um, uh, if he starts winning a bunch again, I bet the booze come back because that's how uh, <laughs> that's how people are. Um, but that uh, that remains to be seen. Re- remains to be seen. Yeah, if he keeps taking Chase Elliott's wins, that won't that won't fly for long. Yeah, exactly. We'll let you take yeah. one now, but you know, no. Wait. So you said you don't think it's a lateral. You don't think it was a lateral move. What, well, what, I think what kind of move do you think it was? 
I, I think on paper, when you see Joe Gibbs racing compared to Richard Childers racing, just in the current state of NASCAR, I think there's people that maybe look at that and think it's a step down. I don't necessarily think it was because RCR is a winning organization uh, and they've steadily gotten better each of the last you know two or three years. Um, but I think there's probably people that looked at that as him as him taking a step backwards and you know him having to carry that team, which again, I don't think is the case, but um, RCR is not Joe Gibbs. I mean there, there's no there's no getting around that. Um, and that's what he's been used to and driven for for 15 years. Like there, I think people expected some sort of an adjustment period, um, and, and maybe felt bad for the guy for how, how, you know, unceremoniously he was kind of let go from a team and manufacturer that he did so much for. So, um, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but that's kind of how I've, how I've viewed the situation. Yeah. Well, that's where my hashtag goes. Micro racer, Kyle Bush, uh, gets my hat shake for, Proving the doubters wrong. I mean, there's no question he's one of the greatest talents to ever sit behind the wheel of a stock car, in my opinion. He's yeah, won, no doubt. He's won more stock car races than Richard Petty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he, one. I mean, he is yeah. one of the be- he is one of the best race car drivers. I mean, uh, I don't know if all time is is over over you know saying it, but I mean, he is one of the best in, in NASCAR for sure. I mean, one of the top five best in NASCAR probably of all time. I agree. I that's that. I don't think that's overstating anything. Nope. I don't think so either. Uh, what is it? One or two championships? He's got one for sure. Has he got two? Uh, I think he's got one cup championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he doesn't have a 500 yet, but that, that winning that race doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. <laughs> wow. Copy and paste that. Okay. <laughs> winning that race matters, obviously. Um, it's just it's just such a luck of the draw, right? Like putting yourself in yep. a position at the end of the race is a skill, but um, – she probably should have won that 500. <laughs> Imagine if he yeah. goes, starts the season and wins the 500 and then wins Fontana like that. Like, right. That would have yeah, people, people be nervous. Almost won the clash too. He, he drove through the entire field. That's what I mean. They've been really good. They've been probably one of the best cars. All How many weeks. is he going to win? I don't know. I mean, he, he'll go, he goes to Vegas next week. He's running all three series at Vegas and he always runs well there. So. Here's one thing I learned in in, in the seven years that I was at NASCAR. The the major one thing that I learned, do not piss off a bush. Do not piss off Kurt or Kyle Bush because they will use that anger and they will drive around all of you. Like, and it's, it's no joke. Like, yep. I feel like Kyle Bush is driving with a, uh, a chip on his shoulder. Don't no, absolutely. You yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, and you don't want to put a chip on his shoulder. Like, that's, that's not a good thing. I wonder what he is in Vegas right now to win the championship. <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad bet, honestly. <laughs> All right, those are hat shakes. Uh, I believe we spent enough time talking about uh, NASCAR today. We were that bored. Um, speaking of NASCAR, long-time NASCAR pit reporter and anchor Vince Welch is next. Can't can't wait to uh, talk to him. He's going to be broadcasting the High Limit Series with Dylan. Uh, we just mentioned at the top of the show. So, episode one hundred and five. Thanks to our partners, Sundial Restoration, PlayDirtDraft.com. Uh, the Outlaws are getting ready to race again. We just had the Icebreaker last week. Uh, oh yeah, Justin Justin Peck won half the Icebreaker. How did that work? They did two different races. Yeah, the did they? One during the night and one during the day. I thought uh, Freddie Raymer won the first one, and then Justin. Yeah, Peck I saw that. Was like a, it's like a uh, icebreaker and a half. 
Uh, <laughs> ice is all thawed out by now. <laughs> they, broke, they broke too much of it. So those were the sprint car winners over the weekend. All right. Enjoy the show. I, I, I know you will. And uh, excited for the news. We're getting ready to break. This is 105, episode 105 of the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow. What has to be without a doubt? Daytona 500, Eldora Million. The next million is Jonathan Davenport. But this night, something special happened. Here at Eldora Speedway, it's showtime! So I think in sprint car racing that ever so often, continued to, to carry Earl's vision and, and his uh, history of creating big events. I mean, we've, we've got some stuff up our sleeve that uh, I don't think will shock anybody when we announce it. Well, it's a pleasure to have on uh, Vince Welch. Of course, if you've been listening to this podcast forever, uh, we were formerly Rip the Fence and now the Loud Pedal Podcast. And in the history of the podcast, D. Welch has rarely let me break news on this show. Uh, most of the time, he just lets his teams tweet it out or, you know, does whatever. But we get to break some news today. D. Welch, I'll let you do the honor. I know this is a really exciting uh, thing for you. Yeah, it is. It's exciting for uh, for all of us, I think, that are involved in it. Um, but we're going to announce that uh, myself and dad are going to do the high limit schedule this year, uh, from the booth. So, um, we'll have, you know, Chris Wilner down in the pits with us, which I think is, is equally cool for us. He, you know, is my longest friend. He was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding. You know, we've known him a long time. So, um, I think for the three of us to be able to do this is awesome. And, uh, obviously to have, uh, the opportunity to have, you know, father and son in the, in the booth for, uh, you know, a big time nationally traveling series is, is pretty awesome. So, um, I know dad, I know you're looking forward to it probably just as much as I am. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, such a great opportunity, you know, to, um, you know, I've been so fortunate to do some pretty cool things in, in this business and, and, uh, to have an opportunity to work with your son. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's, uh, been other, there, there've been other, uh, other folks that have had that opportunity, but the list is not long. So, uh, was certainly flattered when, when, uh, Kyle Larson and, and his group reached out about the possibility of, of you and me having an opportunity to do that in the booth together. And they were very excited about the father son combination. And, and, uh, obviously dirt racing is a, is a passion that we both share. And, uh, but the opportunity, you know, when you get to be my age, uh, you start looking at opportunities to do things that, that really matter beyond, um, you know, beyond the things that matter to you when you're younger. 
And uh, so for me, uh, the chance to uh, stand side by side with you, Dylan, in the booth, in the broadcast booth and and uh, to uh, to work with Chris Wilner, who I've known and uh, since he's been a little kid. And as you, you already touched on the, the relationship that the two of you have. So um, and, and it's a, such a cool series. I love what Kyle's doing uh, in regards to, you know, the big money and, um, you know, only a dozen races, which I think is super cool. You know, we're not getting flooded with 30 of them out of the gate, you know, so uh, there's just a lot of things to like. But first and foremost for me is an opportunity as a dad uh, to share the broadcast booth with you. I, I got to say, though, Tyler, uh, Dylan, you know, he made a point that, uh, you know, he was going to be running the show and I was going to be the sidekick. He, he pointed that out to me early, wanted to make sure I understood what the rules of the game were. Listen, I've been in this uh, podcast marriage for four years. I know how it works. Uh, <laughs> I have so many questions and I'm really excited. Um, you've never done a dirt race before. So, like, how excited are you to, you know, call your first dirt race? Well, it's uh, it is it is exciting. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I love the fact that, you know, I was looking at all the different tracks that the series, the High Limit Series is going to and, you know, from coast to coast, you know, from out in Tulare uh, all the way to the East Coast and the Pennsylvania, uh, you know, and so many such a passion for racing uh, on both coasts and everywhere in between. So I'm really looking forward to that. You know, I've been to so many dirt races in my life and uh, it's it's interesting that I've never broadcast one, but I've sat in the stands and I've watched them forever, and I, obviously I broadcast a lot of races in my day. So I don't think it's going to be that different, but um, I know it's going to be enjoyable, and I'm really excited about it, and I'm looking forward to it. I love what Kyle's doing with the High Limit Series with he and Brad Sweet. And, you know, they do it. It's a passion for them, you know, and um, and it's the same, I think, for for most people in the dirt world. You know, they, they do it because it's a passion. They love racing. They love dirt racing. Um, and, and racing is such a family affair to begin with, whether, you know, as racers starting out as kids, chances are they, you know, dad was wrenching on the car and mom was, you know, fixing the sandwiches for him to, you know, eat during the day and all of that, you know, the racing sport in general, even at the highest level is, uh, is so family involved. And, and, uh, it's one of the things I've enjoyed about it. And then, so to have that opportunity to be in the booth with Dylan, you know, broadcasting the race and, and, uh, to enjoy that, uh, father son relationship at that level, and also to be doing a Colin dirt racing is uh, pretty cool for me. There's a lot of things obviously that, you know, I think we're all excited about and you've mentioned the ones that you are from a broadcasting mechanics standpoint, obviously what you've done for the last 25 years is a very intensive, very, you know, high pressure situation as I think all three of us in this group understand. Um, but to be able to go, and do the dirt racing stuff still take it seriously, of course, but it, it's a different vibe, right? It's a different feel. It's, it's not what you've done and had to do for the past, uh, you know, two decades. Are you looking forward to that part of it too, to just be able to kind of go in and just, and have some fun with this? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's different yet. It's not, you know, I mean, it, it's different in the sense that, you know, NASCAR and IndyCar, you know, uh, which is my background are, are considered at the highest levels, but, uh, you know, Dylan and Tyler, you guys have both been around it enough to know that these, no matter what race car you're getting in, you and your team take it as seriously as anyone at any level. And I assure you that, uh, you know, at this wing sprint car, you know, 
level. These guys are racing at the highest level. We're talking about the best in the world at that discipline. Then you throw in, you know, the big paycheck that's dangling out in front of everyone. I guarantee you everyone's taking it as seriously as you'd see on a Sunday at a NASCAR track or at an IndyCar venue. So um, I don't look at that any differently. Um, And as a broadcaster, I I don't treat it any differently. You know, when I go do an event, uh, to me, it doesn't matter if it's uh, the Indy 500 or a high school basketball game. When I show up, I show up to treat them both equally in regards to how I propul- how I prepare and uh, and the respect that I want to treat the participants with. So uh, for me, that's not going to be any different. Um, the one thing that I think that that could be a little more challenging for me is how fast they go around that racetrack, you know, and, and which is something that, you know, is, as you know, in the booth is such a rhythm, especially with the, your partner up there. And um, so uh, that'll be interesting. And I'm sure that might take a little bit of getting used to, but um, I I can't wait. You know, I I love watching the wing spread cars. I love, you know, when, when uh, you guys all did the series, the one race with the series last year, uh, loved watching it. Um, like many people that are watching this podcast, you know, on a weeknight uh, or a weekend, uh, a lot of times, you know, my TV is on flow and I'm watching the racing anyway. So why not be there doing it, especially in the broadcast business? And then when you get an opportunity to do it with your uh, with your son, I, I don't know how you beat it, man. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited to travel with you guys again. Obviously, we we did that before. Oh, for- wait a minute. What? What? <laughs> Welcome. Well, I mean, Uh-oh. I got to come to these races too. I didn't know you were going to be part of it. Right, maybe, hold on, I got to get. I gotta Who do you think is going to cover the content on Flow? Right? I mean, like, <laughs> like who's who's going to shoot video of this thing? It's got to be me. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know, we would occasionally have the 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 lunch or whatever, like you know, at Fontana that one time, and it's because we all were on the road together. It's going to be fun to get crispy in there and 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 do that, but. The best part, Vince, I'm telling you right now, and you're going to love this, is you don't have to wake up for a 7 a.m. practice or, you know, an 8 a.m., you know, production meeting before a 3 o'clock green. Like, it's just rolling there. You know, obviously you get in there, you do your pit work, stuff like that, you know, four hours or whatever before. But four hours before hot laps is still 2 p.m. Like, yeah. it's you know, you can write off a hangover, everything. well i think that uh you know and and you touched on you know the group traveling you know and i and i think that you know and racers know this people watching this podcast know that part of the real joy of this sport um is being with other people that share the same passion you do and especially in the racing community i think it's different than basketball or football and and you know baseball whatever the case may be and and that's no knock on them because i love that i grew up sticking ball but I don't think there's any sport that the fans, uh, the participants, uh, they share a passion that is just unmatched for the sport. And if if you're a racer, man, you uh, you just have a. It just seems like you just have a natural respect and a high regard for other racers and other people, and that's the way it should be. I mean, our lives, you know, people's lives are on the line, but but even on the outside of those that are working on the periphery of the sport, the broadcasters, media, et cetera, I mean, if, you're, if you grew up in that discipline and in that environment, you just have a real respect, I think, for, uh, for other people that are in the sport. And, 
and I, I just love the racing community and um and i can't wait to to get on the road with these guys and and i just think it's going to be a blast i love the racetracks we're going to you know some of these tracks i've never been to but some of them i've been to before and watched racing or seen racing on tv from those tracks but most of them i've never been to so any opportunity i get to go to a new racetrack and experience that um super excited about it and uh, just um couldn't be happier to be a part of it as a uh, fan and obviously now you know i look look at you as a mentor and, and you know a, you know another father but like what where where did your broadcasting career start how, how did you get started in broadcasting you know some of our fans might be interested in like how um you began your broadcasting career well i graduated from college studied broadcasting uh graduated in 1986 that gives you a little indication about uh you know most of you weren't even you know a lot of your viewers weren't even born uh, back then but uh, uh and and you know i got out of school at ball state and and i thought they had a you know they had a good broadcasting program communications program at that time and then you look at it from uh, the years later when Dylan brought, uh, graduated from that same program and it was night and day difference in how much it's progressed. So um, really felt prepared when I got out of there. Uh, but my first job was in Richmond, Indiana at a small radio station there. Uh, by the way, a small radio station, but Chris Schenkel and some of your older uh, legendary broadcaster and some of your older viewers, uh, maybe rolling down the road, will remember that name. Uh, Chris Schenkel was a legendary area uh, maybe uh, go youtube um, wide world of sports you know some of the back in the day you'd hear the voice uh, chris schenkel who was uh, a hall of fame broadcaster actually worked at that radio station wkbv am in richmond indiana so um I, i'm not even like the claim to fame for them you know but um you know so <laughs> i was there for a little while and then segued uh, into television at the local cbs affiliate in indianapolis just working you know as a part-timer you know literally making 100 bucks a week you know but it, i saw it as my opportunity to kind of crack crack the door into into television and and just worked my way up so you know i started at the bottom and uh, had a dream you know and and uh, it's not unlike a lot of the guys that we cover on the racetrack you know they start on the they started you know running quarter midgets or 600 micros or you know what a, you know carding whatever the case may be and but they had a dream and and they've continued to work their way up and and even those that are wrenching on the cars so it's uh it it a little bit of a parallel, you know, different uh, different avenues, but but certainly uh, I can relate to those guys that started, you know, at the bottom and have worked their way up. And I think there's a lot of that in racing. It's one of the things that I love about the sport. So, um, you know, I've been so fortunate to be, uh, you know, part of the network television space for 20 plus years with ESPN and then with Fox and, you know, to be in victory lane at the Indy 500, you know, to broadcast the Daytona 500, you know, so, so many great opportunities that I've had in broadcasting and, and, uh, but, but I got to tell you, man, standing next to my kid, uh, for the high limit series, uh, calling sprint cars, I guarantee is going to be one of the highlights of my career. I, am I, uh, am I supposed to call you when we banter back and forth? Do I call you Vince or dad? <laughs> uh, that will be well, difficult. I, you know, I, I guess I, I guess from a professional standpoint, you know, I, I, <laughs> Was gonna say Vince, but I don't know. Some people that are watching might find that to be odd. I know. know. I'm like, no. I, I think maybe sliding a few dads. You know. Yeah, I mean, we, I, we can have a drinking game or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be it'll be 
it'll be interesting, you know, because so many times, and Dylan's probably experienced this too. I mean, I've come across a lot of people in, you know, since Dylan has started, you know, doing network television and, and uh, that didn't even realize that we're father, son, you know, that, you know, get something on Twitter about, oh, man, I didn't know that was your son, you know, didn't put two and two together, you know? So there'll be some maybe that, uh, that'll be watching that, you know, they'll be finding that out for the very first time too. They'll say, man, this is creepy. He just called him dad. You know? <laughs> that's a great point. That's a, that's a really say, man, he's, he's making fun of how old he is. He just called him dad. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the part about how others you know in the industry like right we all you know the whole goal was to try to make it and then you know try to climb i was telling my wife yesterday and i made a joke i was like i made it to nascar before c-bell right like you know i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm buddies with c-bell right we were, we were good friends at usac we traveled together but i was there a year before him before he got his nascar ride so i can say that but no i wanted to ask you so you, you graduated from ball state so did dylan um, are you like the second most famous at Ball State? Like, what? Where, where do you stand? Because because David Le- is is it David Letterman? Is that number yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, from a broadcasting standpoint. Um, you know, I might be second in the number of people that have actually you know seen me on television, but I don't know <laughs> that that necessarily makes me the second most famous. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Uh, it, it, you know, the cool thing about David Letterman and I was at an event with him uh, when the Ball State Communications Department kicked off their esports program. And um, they have a relationship with Ray Hall Letterman Racing uh, with that program. And of course, David Letterman uh, is part of that group. And and David came back to um, uh, came back to Ball State for the announcement and the presentation of the esports facility. And, and I got to tell you, man, for a guy that's accomplished as much as David Letterman's accomplished, he couldn't have been a more down down to earth uh, guy. And and he is a genuine. He is. A, I was going to say a genuine race fan, but I mean, he's more than a race fan. Obviously, he's part owner of Ray Hall Letterman uh, Lanigan Racing in the IndyCar series, but he is a genuine race fan, and he appreciates the sport um, the way I think that those at the grassroots level really appreciate it, you know? And um, so it was cool to be a part of that with him. And, and obviously he's the most uh, famous of the ball state alums. That's for sure. And I, I might even pull up the reins somewhere below Dylan, I think uh, at least, <laughs> but uh, there's some, there's some pretty famous ball state alums actually. So, um, but, uh, but I'm just, I'm glad to be a, part of that university it's done so much for me it continues to uh, be supportive of the things that i do and i love going back there and and uh, talking to the students and and encouraging them uh to continue to chase the dream man because that's what it's all about unfortunately this might age you a bit um dylan and chris you both watched their quarter midget careers right like you you you, you were with dylan throughout his quarter midget career there are some racers that you're probably going to call races this year that were in quarter midgets racing Dylan, right? Like, you know, Tyler Courtney, you know, Justin Grant, obviously with USAC, but do you have any good stories of, of some dirt racers back in the day when they were little kids that you could share with them? Well, I mean, it's interesting, you know, with, you know, you mentioned Tyler Courtney and Tyler and his brother, Taylor um, and Dylan all grew up together racing quarter midgets. I mean, they were in, you know, uh, the beginning levels together right up through junior high with that back in that day it was junior Honda and senior Honda and light 160. And, and uh, you know, our families 
you know, parked side by side and, you know, shared, shared meals and beverages and the kids ran around. I mean, so, you know, Dylan and, and uh, the Courtney boys had known one another since, you know, they were six, you know, six, seven years old. And, and uh, so to see, you know, for instance, to see Tyler achieve some of the things that he's achieved um, has really been cool. You know, it's funny, Larson, uh, historians will go way back on this one in, in USAC, but there was a time when USAC ran um, the midgets and the silver crowns at the Milwaukee mile. And Dylan was, had just become old enough to learn uh, to drive a midget. And um, at the time, I think was, I can't remember Dylan, if that was 16 um, at that uh, time, but I would have been 17 probably at Milwaukee. Yeah. It was, 2011. it was 2011. Yeah. So, but you had not been running a midget long or, or hadn't no, run it. That was my first full year nationally. Yeah. So, um, was new to the sport and he set fast time in the midget at the Milwaukee mile. And, uh, the guy who set fast time in the silver crown at that event was Kyle Larson. And, um, if they put him on the back of a golf cart and took him to the media center and, you know, Dylan back then, uh, you know, was so shy and introverted. I mean, he wouldn't, you know, say hardly anything, you know, especially to somebody he didn't really know. And Larson was, you know, uh, looked like he was about 12 and he was obviously older. But, you know, Kyle's a shy guy, too, especially at that age. He didn't say a lot. But it, I'll never forget seeing those two young kids on the back of that uh, golf cart heading off to the media center after just sitting in the stands and watching them each do fast time, you know, set fast time, Dylan in a midget and and uh, Kyle in the silver crown car at the Milwaukee mile. And I got to tell you what, man, that takes some pretty big balls to wheel that thing around there in, in those cars. And then to see that those two see those two kids that had done it. Yeah, I just I'll never forget that how how frightening it was to as a dad to sit in the stands and just watch him qualify at the Milwaukee Mile, and then uh, and then to uh, to see how young they looked on the back of that golf cart heading off to the media center. Um, I'll never forget it. The crazy now, thing about the crazy thing about that was that I remember sitting there and thinking that I was sitting next to Kyle Larson because even even at that point in 2011 he was in the middle of his breakout year, you know, yeah. of the hot being the hottest commodity. So I remember sitting there just being so excited to ride next to him and get a picture next to him, you know, and he <laughs> didn't, he had had no idea who I even was, you know, and rightfully so obviously, but it's, uh, it's funny how, how time kind of changes some relationships and that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause when we all, we all are race fans and, and I think, I still think it's cool that Dylan and I got to call uh USAC feature wins from, from Larson and bell. Right. Like I still, yeah. I still think that's still such a great honor just because of how such good race car drivers they are. Um, before I get to my final question that we wrap up with a lot of our guests, um, I want to ask you, so I know that, well, at least at Lincoln Park, that they were on the PA, right? Like the announcers were on the public address system. Have you ever done any public address work? And do you guys think about that at all uh, when you're at a racetrack? I know like Chet is so good at working with just both the PA and the, the flow stream, right? Like how, how will that work? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, um, you know, I'll lean on Dylan for that, you know, and, and certainly in the time that we have between now and, and the first race, March 21st, uh, Tulare, you know, we'll, uh, he and I will get together because I'll, I'll lean on on him in regards to some of those things and suggestions that he has and, and tips that because I've not broadcast a race before or 
any event really that has gone out on the PA while I've actually been broadcasting the event. So, um, you know, I don't know that, uh, you know, I don't know that that will be so different, um, you know, but I, I think that there are some things probably that you can do that would enhance the experience for those uh, watching in person and without alienating those that are watching on the stream and, and vice versa. So, um, yeah, certainly, you know, there are certainly some things that I've got to kind of get my arms around and um, I'm looking forward to that opportunity and, and um, you know, anticipate Dylan, you know, kind of coaching me along on that as we go or, or beforehand coaching me up on it, but certainly as we go. And, and uh, but, you know, I think the thing I, I just – you know, we don't make it too difficult, you know, I mean, don't, don't make it, you know, uh, don't make it more complicated than it is. You know, you're there doing a race. We've done lots of races. Um, and, um, you know, you honor and respect the participants, those that are behind the wheel and those that are working on the cars and, and the same with the fans that are there and the, that are watching on the stream, man, we are all invested in it in some way, shape or form, you know? And, uh, and I just think, uh, you know, show that, show that sport and that event, the respect that it deserves and what Kyle and Brad have done, you know, and going out on a, on a, you know, a limb really to, to establish the high limit series, to put the big money up and to, you know, bring these guys together, the best of the best together on a weeknight and, uh, and let them do their thing and show their stuff and everybody there enjoy it. That's, uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing some great racing and some great racetracks and, and, um, you know, um, working with Dylan and, and Chris and, and all the folks at flow that, uh, that are making it possible. It's gonna be really fun. Uh, yeah. I know that like uh, guys like Bob Jenkins and, and Robin Miller are probably like, man, this is cool that Vince is going to be calling a dirt race. I mean, that's gotta be sick. Well, I'll tell you what, if those two guys are looking down on me and uh, looking down on us all and, and having a positive thought for me, that's a pretty good compliment. You know, Bob and, and Robin both were people that, uh, that um, I, you know, uh, was blessed to enjoy really solid friendships with through the years. And, and, um, and they also thought the world of Dylan, you know, it wouldn't be a time that I would see them um, and they wouldn't ask about Dylan. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool that you, especially that you mentioned those two guys and there've been so many that have come before and, and um, you know, this sport, you know, to whether you, you turn on flow and you see some of the people at the grassroots level that are, that are uh, broadcasting races and you know just like we say that there's drivers that run in these races that could you know they're good enough to run nascar or indycar but they just don't ever get the chance and i think that's the same with broadcasters and it's the same with every every profession but i mean there's there's some really good people out there calling races around the country and uh, that may never get an opportunity to do it on national television. So, you know, I, I've been a part of that that world for 20 plus years. I'm so blessed to have done that. But, man, I can't tell you how excited I am about uh, having an opportunity to, to do these races on high limit with Dylan and, and all the folks at Flow and yourself and Chris, et cetera. So uh, thanks to JP and, and uh, at, with Larson's group and, and Kyle and Brad for getting behind us. And I know they're excited about uh, about what's ahead for us as well. All right, now I'm in honor of Robin Miller. We've asked this question to like Dave to Spain to Rob uh, to Robin to a bunch of historians, right? So, um, in honor of Robin, who has the shirt that has the Mount Rushmore on it, right? Like he, he you saw in the interview with the Bettenhausen uh, film, the four greatest race car drivers to ever live, in your opinion, who are they? Ooh, <laughs> um, well, that's. 
that's difficult. You know, I think it's, you could, you could go with some drivers that were before your time. And, um, but I don't know. And, and times change and the disciplines change and, and it's so hard to compare eras, I think. So I really, that's a difficult, difficult question. I'm not a big fan of comparing, but I'll, I'll answer. Um, uh, I would I always say, I like, uh, I like to do the one where the, the four greatest drivers you've ever seen race a race car driver and you're with your, yeah. Eye. Um, well, I've been fortunate to see AJ cover AJ and cover Mario. And, and I think that any, any list starts with the two of them. Um, I've never seen anybody drive a dirt car like Kyle Larson. Um, and, uh, you know, I know he's young and, you know, who knows what he'll accomplish in the, in his time, but, um, to see him get in no matter, and regardless of what he gets in and to be that good, um, I think he's just phenomenal. Um, and then, and I, you know, I like the guys that drive the different disciplines and, um, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd probably put Tony Stewart up there, you know, I mean, I really would. I, I, I love the guys that can drive different things and no matter what they get in, they seem to be the best on the track at it. And, um, and I, I think if you started with those four guys right there, um, uh, I'd take my chances. That's a good, that's a good, very good list. It's going to be pretty close to mine. Uh, yes. D Welch, what do you think of his list? Good. That's pretty solid. That's probably four I'd pick. <laughs> yep. All right, Vince. I'm excited to see you call some dirt races. It's going to be a lot of fun to travel with you and 50 grand. Well, are you guys going to be at Tulare or are you going to start at Lakeside? Going to Tulare? No, we started at Tulare. Yeah, we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll have all 12 of them. So I won't yeah. be at Tulare, but I will, I will see you guys at Lakeside. We'll have to get some Kansas city barbecue. Maybe when we get out we're, there, we're working, out. we're working on it. We're that's, uh, thanks that's for inviting TV. Appreciate that's it. a T no, that's a TBA. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be announced at a later date. So, yeah, see, there's, so some stay pretty, tuned. there's some pretty, yeah, some pretty cool things that are coming down the pike. So we're, uh, we're excited about, uh, some of the partners that are coming on and, and, uh, that'll be a part of it as well. And so it's, uh, it's a pretty neat opportunity and, and, uh, for them to stretch it to a 12 race series, you know, that first one at Tulare is not a quote unquote points race, but, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. You That's know, so they've cool. got that trophy and that check at the end of the night, uh, people don't care about points, you know, yeah. so they're going to go out and get after it and uh, it'll be fun. Tulare is a bucket list one for me. I'm, I'm really yeah. jealous that you guys are going there. That's an awesome. Yeah, I'm looking topic. forward to that. Hot bet of sprint car racing, but I'm, I'm excited for you guys to take ownership of the whole, you know, the whole role and like, you know, really make it your own and, and have fun with it. I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I think, it, and I don't know how Dylan feels about it, but you know, I don't know that it's, uh, you know, it might be a more difficult situation for him to work with me than it will be for me to work with him. But, you know, I, I promise I won't like, you know, try to send him to his room or ground him or, you know, anything of that nature. But, uh, you know, it, it, when you get and, and other dads out there will completely get this, you know, no matter how old your kids get, they're still your kid. You know, so you still, you know, you still, I mean, Dylan's, you know, 20, what, 29 now, you know, I mean, and he's still my kid, you know, so um, we're, we're going to have fun. I, we're going to broadcast for, as professionals, but I promise you that we will have fun doing it. I was going to say, the thing is, you guys are just so professional, but I, I do want to hear Vince, like, 
Dylan, you didn't say that guy's name right. Or like, Dylan. Like, what was, <laughs> he might be saying that to me. Yeah. What was that? Don't, don't bust my balls like that, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And thanks for letting us break your news on here. That's, that's Man, great. You guys are awesome. And uh, I just uh, really enjoy enjoy the combination that you two provide you know tyler i think the world of you but man you guys you guys do good good stuff for the sport and uh, i'm just glad to be a part of it and i'm really looking forward to to maybe putting in a little bit of my contribution uh to the to the dirt world as well and very excited about it thanks for having me on and and uh breaking the news and uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good time it is thanks dad yeah